Sometimes words will cut you to the core. You remember the old saying, sticks and stones break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Let me just tell you, that's a lie from the pits of hell. I'm going to tell you about the power of words, how they can help you or they can hurt you right after this. This is our moment. This is our fight. We're trying to help you understand how the enemy works and why he is doing what he's doing. Here I am. Use me. Speak through me. Work through me. So no matter how bad it gets, Pastor, we have a hope in Jesus Christ. I'm not a spectator anymore. I am all in. I am your voice. I am your hands. We are right in the middle of seven principles to unlocking the greatness of God in your life. Let's review real quick how we got where we're at right now. Number one, you got to be willing to go all in. Okay. And I think some of you've already made that decision. Number two, you got to live your life for others. It's not about you live your life for others. Number three, surround yourself with greatness. Don't surround yourself with negativity or surround yourself with greatness. Number four that we covered last week, don't live in the past. But don't forget the past because it's going to help make you and push you where you want to go. Well, that leads us to today, which is part five of those seven steps. And that is be open to loving criticism. In the opening there, I told you the famous passage or I would say the famous statement. Uh, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. I heard that when I was a child. You've heard it most of your life. And I get the premise. But the truth is, it's not true. The, you know, a lot of times, and I know sticks and stones can break your bones, okay? And, and I, I understand the premise. People's trying to say, but yeah, what you say about me would not affect me like if you were to hit me with a baseball bat. Well, you know what? There's been times in my life I'd rather been hit with a baseball bat than to be hit by some of the words that were said to me. Because words can make you or words can break you. That is the absolute fact. Talk a lot about that on the big picture here. Talk a lot about that on our YouTube channel. I talk a lot about that on the pulpit, uh, behind the pulpit, on the stage at my church that I pastor, because I've lived that life. I understand what words can do to break you, and I was broken by it. I also know what words can do to make you and to lift you up, and thus the name I see greatness in you. That my wife spoke those words into me and became a book. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the opportunity to use something as powerful as words to come into this broadcast, whether it's on your television, streaming app, or wherever, however you're watching this, the words are what is coming to you. Words are powerful. Now, one of the hardest things for someone who is a leader or someone who is, feels an unction to do something with their life, especially if they're confident, is to receive what I call constructive criticism. It's very difficult. But I'm going to tell you, it's important. Now, I'm not talking about listening to someone speaking mean to you, negative to you. I'm not saying be open to people beating you up and speaking down to you and telling you that was horrible. That's what you did was ridiculous. That was worthless. You don't need to hear that. But you need to be open to voices in your life that will be able to say, hey, man, listen, you know I love you. You know I'm for you. I'm not against you. But I need to help you see maybe the big picture of this situation that maybe you can't see because you're looking through the eyes that's filtering through your personal experiences, your personal pain and your personal struggle. And a lot of times 
you need a fresh set of eyes. You know, for me personally, the greatest example of that is my wife. Like if I'm going through something, I'm confident of it, man. I can't tell you the time somebody said something on Facebook and I'm just like, that's ridiculous. And I start typing off my response and I'm telling you everything that I'm saying in that response is spot on. It's biblically accurate. It's theologically accurate. It is grammatically correct. And I can't even say grammatically correct, but it's grammatically correct on the text. I mean, I couldn't be more proud of my response to that ridiculous Facebook post. Now I'm ready to Read them, right then. And I, of course, because I, my, the wife's, my wife's affirmation of me is so important to me, I'll go show it to him. I'll say, I'll say to my wife, I'll say, hey, look at this. I want you to listen to this, right, what I'm about to say here. And she'll say, stop. I mean, I'm talking about one sentence into this. I mean, I got a diatribe, y'all, that is awesome. A manifesto, if you will. She'll say, stop. And I'll say, what? You didn't let me finish. She'll go, I don't need, I don't need for you to finish. Larry, it's a mistake. Why you want to do this? Why you want to get involved in this? This is not you. Delete that now. And it's like my pride will say, I'm not, what? That's proud of this. She's like, no. But then I realize this is a fresh set of eyes. She's trying to help me see the big picture that I might feel better about myself for doing this, but it's not going to end good. And that's what having a voice in your life, loving criticism can help you navigate through life. So so when you're at a place in your life where you feel like God is molding you and shaping you, one of the things I like to always say is you have the DNA of greatness in you. And there are things that can be revealed with just you and who you are and your own personal efforts and your own personal study. But there's a part of that greatness that can only come out when somebody helps you see it and pulls it out. And so I, I'm just really, I think I'm speaking to those that are just hungry to do something for God, hungry to go to the next step in their walk with God. Well, what you need to do is you need to open yourself up to saying, God, bring voices into my life. I need, I need people that are not just yes men and yes women that's always just going to say, yeah, that's right. Love you. Great job. You need some people that's going to be able to hold, say, hold up. I see what you're saying. I see where you're going, but I don't think you're thinking this through. I think a lot about my spiritual father. He is so loving and he is so encouraging. He is for me. He is not against me. He's proven that, that I can trust him with all my heart. But there's been times that uh, he'll call me up and he will say things like, son, I, I want to talk to you about something. And I'll say, okay, go ahead. I call him Pops. Go ahead, Pops. And, and he'll say, I saw what you posted online. And man, everything you said was great. But I promise you, you know I'm for you. He always does. You know I'm for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I know what's coming. He's like, but I don't think you're seeing what this could take you down. I, this don't represent the real you. This is, this is going to give fuel to people that already was trying to destroy you. Son, I think you need to take that down because it's a good point. The valid point that you're making is true and, and accurate, but it's not really serving the kingdom. And, and, and even though your flesh might feel good about it, it's, the end is not going to be good. And because that I have given him permission. See, we talked about before on a previous program, and we'll probably talk about a lot on this show, but the power of spiritual fathers and mothers and the power of spiritual sons and daughters. And the dynamic of spiritual fathers and spiritual sons and daughters is the authority that that person has in my life is 100% tied to what I have given them to be an authority of my life. I'm the one that's given them permission to do that. So that being said, I have to be teachable to be reachable. I have to be able to say, 
if I've given this person permission to speak into my life, then I have to be open to loving criticism. I have to be open to someone saying, not, it's a good idea, but maybe this is not the right time. And I'm going to tell you, I can't tell you the times that my flesh did not like it. My flesh hated it because I was convinced inside of me that I was right. Think about it. You would not post something. You would not do something. You would not say something. You would not go on a, on a path of your life unless you felt like that's what you're supposed to do. And if you're not careful, pride will come in and put up a shield that will not allow you to hear voices of reason that may not all, sometimes it will be, I started to say something, I corrected myself. Sometimes it will be that voice says, you need to walk away from this. This is, this whole path is going to lead to your destruction. But a lot of times that open criticism is, look, it's a great idea and, it, and it's a God thing, but you're trying to rush it. It's not the time. You need to make sure you take care of this piece first and then, and then go to that piece. I think a lot about, I use this analogy a lot when I talk about staying the course of the plan that God has for you and, and the way he's designed. When I was a young father and my, my oldest daughter was first born, she's just a little girl. I wanted to get her a little red wagon. I wanted to get her a wagon to, to pull around the house. And I remember, you know, I was just that typical guy, typical man who, you know, I don't need no instructions, don't need no directions and all that. And uh, so I start putting this together on the day of Christmas of this little red wagon. And uh, so I look at, I lay out all the parts. I look at the picture and everything makes sense to me. I could say, well, I know where that goes, that goes there. So I start putting this wagon together and I put the wagon together and it looked exactly like the picture. I mean, it was perfect. I was so proud of myself. Brought my daughter in there, put her in the wagon. So we start pulling her through the little house that we were living in and everything was working great until it was time to turn. It was time to turn. It wouldn't turn. It would just stay straight. And, and it was just started skidding. And I was like, what's wrong with this thing? And I got to looking at it. it was, something was wrong. Couldn't figure out what was wrong. I was so mad at myself because I was sure that I knew exactly what I was doing. Because what I built versus the picture, there was no difference. But the problem was I was not teachable enough to slow down enough and let the instructions, the manual that comes with the little red wagon, teach me about the, what seemed to be small and insignificant parts. So when I finally got through pitching a fit and, uh, you know, throwing some things, getting mad, thinking this is a stupid wagon, we need to take it back. It's something's wrong with this wagon. The voice of reason, my wife said, did you follow the instructions? And uh, well, who, who needs instructions putting together a wagon? Look at the wagon, look at the picture. It's exactly the same. She said, Larry, go back and follow the instructions. Loving criticism. So I go back. And I start just opening up the, the, just looking at the manual. Yeah, I did that. I did that, did that. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, there was one piece that I had forgot to put in one little tiny piece about this big that that thing spun on that I put it where I thought it needed to go, but where it needed to go was not where I thought it needed to go. So you know what I had to do? I had to tear that wagon completely apart back down to its original condition. And then I did exactly what the instructions told me to do. I put the piece where it's supposed to be. Called my daughter back in there and pulled her all over the house. Every, it turned. I learned a lesson that day that no matter how confident I am that I'm right and no matter what kind of product I put forward saying, well, look, how can you dispute that I am right? It is, looks perfect. Everything you told me to do, I've done. Well, if I did not really follow your instructions and that voice inside of me, um, 
then it's not going to work the way it's supposed to work. And that's what happened with the little red wagon. And I think about my life uh, when I preach this message about the little red wagon, I say, you know what? I'm the little red wagon too. There was peace. There was parts of me that needed some adjustment. There was some parts of me that I had put in the wrong places and I needed some voices to come into my life. That's what construction criticism, constructive criticism is. It's simply saying, hey, you look like you got it all together, but are you not consistently having an issue every time you try to make a turn? Maybe it's because you didn't listen when somebody tried to help you put it where it's supposed to be. So you know what God does a lot of times and we don't like it. He just says, you know what I'm gonna have to do? I'm gonna have to tear you back down to the original and I'm gonna have, you're gonna have to let me put you back together. And the way he does anything in life is he uses people to do it. He uses people to bless you, to pray for you, but he also uses people to give you constructive criticism, to get your little red wagon working the way it's supposed to work. I'm gonna tell you another principle right after this. You're a loser, you're a failure, you're a liar. Where do you go every night? And what are you doing? It's none of your business. Okay, that's it. Get out of my house. What were you thinking? Look at me, boy. Why didn't you just return them? I, I just want you to be happy. So please walk away. I'm not leaving. Why would you ever want to stay with me? I see greatness in you. I had never, ever heard those words before. Everything in my life changed with those five words. I'm driven to help the underdog, to help the abused. This phase of our ministry, we feel like God's gonna use to impact more lives than we ever dreamed. So yeah, we're, we're just getting started. One of the most favorite characters in all of scripture for me and probably for you is King David. King David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. Can you imagine having that title where, you know, in heaven you were known as, yeah, that man's after my heart. That, but it wasn't even a man. He was a boy. He was a teenager. He was a shepherd. He was a nobody. Remember when the prophet came to town and was looking to anoint the next king? God tells him exactly what house to go to, Jesse's house. He goes into Jesse's house. He said, God's telling me, Samuel, the prophet Samuel says, God's telling me that one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. Bring your sons before me. He lines them up from the, from the highest, the oldest, the most prestigious, all the way down. He, one by one, he stands before each prophet. One by one, he says, no, this is not the one. This is not the one. This is not the one. And, he, and Samuel gets confused because he gets all the way down to the last son. And God says, no, that's not the one. He looks back at Jesse. He's like, I don't understand. I know I've heard the voice of God. God's told me to come to your house and anoint the next king of Israel. Is this all of your sons? And I love the response. Well, I got one more, just one more. I didn't even call him in. He's just an old ruddy boy. He's just, I mean, I can't do nothing with him. Where, where is he? He's out in the field. He, he's a shepherd. He loves those sheep. He won't leave those sheep for nothing. I told him we was having a meeting, but he wouldn't come in because he didn't want to leave his sheep. He said, bring him to me. So he brings David in. The moment David walks in, the power of God comes on Samuel and says, this is the one. And he takes a horn of oil and just pours it on his head and anoints him as king. Now I want you to think about this. This man just got told, was, was told by the prophet of Israel, you have been chosen by God to be the king, not the next king. I'm anointing you as king now. The mantle of king is upon you now. You may not be sitting on the throne right now, but in the eyes of God, 
you are the king. He's the man, okay? I mean, you, you, a, lot of po a lot of folks, and especially a lot of preachers would have been, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I was waiting on. I knew my time was coming. I have finally arrived. I'm the king. But you know, that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says it's almost like, and this is, these words are not there, but it's implied. Hey, you guys threw in here, I need to get back to my sheep. They don't need to be by themselves. He leaves and goes back to the field. All he had out there was himself and his harp and his relationship with God. And while he was in that field taking care of those sheep, playing worship music, that's what made him a man after God's own heart. Well, if you know the story of David, you know that, you know, David slays the giant. Think about it. The most famous part about David, David and Goliath. And David takes down Goliath and brings the head of Goliath before the current named king, Saul. Now, I want you to think about it. when he shows up, he's holding the head of, of Goliath as the anointed king, and he shows it before him. And when he does, a spirit of jealousy begins to come on King Saul. And the women of the town says, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. And a, and a murderous, jealous spirit came into Saul. And at that moment, he decided, I've got to kill David. I've got to take him out because he can't take my power and my authority. We fast forward and we see chapter after chapter of Scripture where Saul is chasing and trying to find David. David is running for his life. And then one day, Saul is dead. Saul's son, Jonathan, is dead. And all the people know it's time for David to become king. The shepherd boy, the shepherd boy who was anointed king, who had been running for his life, was now the king. He was sitting on the throne. He had servants. He had wives. He had concubines. He had people fanning him with them giant feathers that you see on the movies, leaning back, eating grapes. I mean, he's living the high life, y'all. But if you're not careful, that's why I call it be open to constructive criticism. You'll start reading your own press clippings. Nowadays, people don't know what that means. That's an old-fashioned term, press clippings. We don't have newspapers anymore. What it is now is reading your own social media comments. And people start telling you, if you're King David and you're on Instagram, you're the greatest king that's ever lived. You're the greatest king that's ever existed. You're the man, David. You're the man. It's all about you, David. This is your world and we live in it, David. It's all your kingdom. We're so honored to serve you, King David. Well, if you start allowing yourself to read your own social media comments and letting them give you the affirmation instead of God, even a man after God's own heart can slip into a place of pride. And it's really amazing that the story of this young man, this young boy that was anointed king, gets to the point that he becomes so privileged and so self-indulgent that he looks out over on the rooftop of his, of his uh, cathedral, his temple, his castle, and he sees another man's wife bathing, Bathsheba. And immediately he says, I want her. Now, I won't spare you all the details, but you know what happened. He decides he wants her and he has the right to have her because he's the king. So he takes her and he has relations with her. Well, then he realizes, what have I done? She's pregnant. She's married. So through the course of time and scripture tells us that he sets her husband up for death and he is killed. So now he justifies himself. When you're so full of yourself, you're like, well, you know what? It was not good what I did, but... She's not married anymore. She's having a child. I need to be able to be there. She needs a man. So it all worked out in the end. So he brings her in and he's sitting up on his throne and he's so proud of himself that he's just got this new wife now that's a trophy to him. And all of a sudden he looks up and here comes the prophet Nathan. 
You know, every other time that he's talked to Prophet Nathan, he's loved to see Nathan. I can almost see the king. Everyone rise to the Prophet Nathan. Come, come and give your king a word. Nathan's like, I hope this is you, God, because <laughs> he's scared to death because he knows what he's about to say. He knows what he's about to say could mean death for him. He stands before David. And David said, what do you come to tell me today, O prophet of God? Here, the king is hearing you. What is it? Well, I come to tell you a story. I come to tell you a story about a man who had every lamb and every, every sheep that was known to man that you could ever ask for, except for one. This other guy, he only had one. And you had all, the, the king had all the, the other sheep, but he only had one. And the king said, I'm not satisfied having all except one. If I'm going to be the king, I have the rights to even that one. So he goes and he takes that one and he makes it himself, for himself. He's so proud of himself now that he's taken this one and now he can say he's got them all. And the king is just, King David is just riled. He stands up and slams his scepter to the ground. He says, Nathan, who would do such a thing? Who is this man? He has violated the covenant of God. Whoever this man is, I know you, Nathan. I know you're not just telling me a story. You're doing types and shadows. You're alluding to somebody. Who is this man? Because he deserves death. You tell me who he is. And Nathan's heart is racing because he knows this could mean that this could be the last thing he ever says. He's standing before the king, having a soldier with his hand on his sword, ready. Who is this man, Nathan? And Nathan said some of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. He said, Thou art the man. You are the man. At that moment, David, the king, was shocked and stunned. He realized every single word that Nathan had said was true. He has got so full of himself that he believed that he was above reproach and that he was entitled to anything. But thank God he at least made a way for the prophet to come and stand before him because that is where we get the words that is so powerful that I have quoted so many times in my life and in my pulpit in the book of Psalms when David wrote, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Theologians believe that when the scripture says that he stood up, when he said, Thou art the man. When Nathan said that, the Bible said he ripped his garments. He grabbed ashes and poured it upon his head. He fell down on his face and he repented and he realized. And he began to think, what have I done? But more importantly, what have I become? And he repented. And theologians believe that that is when he penned the words. He penned the words later, but he was basically uh, documenting what he said that moment standing before that constructive criticism, standing before the prophet at the throne that he was just sitting on, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. See, if you're not open to people being able to say the tough things to you, even though you're the man and you everybody, you're the one that everybody wants to be, if you close yourself off for the opportunity for people to speak to you, let me tell you the big picture. You closed yourself off to the opportunity for God to speak to you. Because even though Nathan said those words, those words came from God. He was a man, David was a man after God's own heart. And God 
missed his man. And he realized if, I'm, if King David is going to be what I want him to be, I've got to show him that he ain't who he used to be. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring a voice into his life, a voice that has authority, a voice that will speak boldly and unashamedly and not be afraid to even rebuke the one that is over them. And that was David. And I'm so thankful that David had a heart of repentance because David finished strong. But would he have finished strong without Nathan? Would he have finished strong without that rebuke? He probably wouldn't even have finished his kingdom. But now, even to this day, the city of Jerusalem is not known as the city of the murderer or even the city of the adulterer. It is simply known as the city of David because David came back to God at that moment. You're a loser. You're a failure. You're a liar. Where do you go every night? And what are you doing? It's none of your business. Okay, that's it. Get out of my house. What were you thinking? Look at me, boy. Why didn't you just return them? I, I just want you to be happy. So please walk away. I'm not leaving. Why would you ever want to stay with me? I see greatness in you. I had never, ever heard those words before. Everything in my life changed with those five words. I'm driven to help the underdog, to help the abused. This phase of our ministry, we feel like God's gonna use to impact more lives than we ever dreamed. So yeah, we're, we're just getting started. We have been talking in this program and even in previous programs, the seven steps to unlocking the greatness of God within you. And I believe this is going to be one of the most important ones for you to watch, being open to constructive criticism, being available to have voices speak into your life, not only to love you and to lift you up, but to correct you and adjust the ship. And I hope that this program has been that for you. Can I pray for you right now? Can I pray that God would use this program to right the ship and put you back on the direction that God has called you to be on? Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I pray for each and every man, woman, child, teenager, anyone that's watching or listening to this program right now. God, maybe they see that they have got off course. They see that they made a decision, turn here, turn there. And people tried to help them and stop them, but they ignored it and li didn't listen to it because they thought, I know the best way. But today they're repenting. They're repenting and saying, God, I did not know the right way. Help me to get back on track. The first way that you can do that if you pray that prayer is ask God to forgive you. Just ask him to forgive you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, just say, Jesus, I believe that you are Lord and King of kings. Come into my heart, God, and save me today. And if you're a believer, then stay, say to God right now, God, help me to get back on track. Bring me the voices that I need to speak into my life that will not only love me and encourage me, but I'm willing to be corrected. I'm willing to be adjusted. I have a teachable spirit in Jesus name. Amen. And if you're watching us and this program has been a blessing to you, we just want to say thank you for watching and thank you for helping us do what we do here on The Big Picture. You can go to LarryRaglan.com. That's LarryRaglan.com. There's other ways that you can connect with us, social media. You can get our book there. You can watch our YouTube channel that we do live shows and uh, material that's not on this television program that would be a blessing to you. And if you'd also like to connect with our church family in Birmingham, Alabama called Solid Rock Church, all you got to do is go to SolidRockChurch.com 
You can watch our services. You can hear the sermons that we preach and you can become a part of what we call our Solid Rock family and what we also call you, our big picture family. One of the things that Sandy and I like to do on this program every week is to close getting this in your brain and getting this in your heart. No matter what the world looks like, sometimes you just need a voice to look at you right in the face the way I'm looking at you now and say these words to you. I see greatness in you because it's there because God put it there. Thank you. We'll see you next week. If you've enjoyed today's message, we'd love to have you partner with us to help spread God's word to as many people as possible. To find out more about Larry Ragland Ministries and how you can help, go to LarryRagland.com. Or if you're planning to be in the Birmingham, Alabama area, join us in worship at Solid Rock Church. We'll make you feel right at home.